We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. The tour ratio. Okay, though. The tour ratio. Okay, though. I wonder if there's a moment you can think about where you were scared for your spirit or for your body. Like, yes, I guess two times. One was three drones over my car following me home in Louisville, Kentucky, Whoa. calling several people trying to track down the police chief or someone in the police department who knows why the hell these drones are following us because we're not doing anything wrong. And having the representatives of the chief call back and say, we're not following you. Those are not our drones. We don't know who they are, but you need to get to safety, right? Because we can't control, we don't know. I have no idea who was following me. And that's happened so many times. And then it just got to the point where they just became like, I walk out the house that I was staying in for four months in Louisville and the drone would be over the house and we'd just be like, hey, you know, and then that was it. But in the beginning, it was really, really scary. And I can't say that I'm comfortable with it, but it's nothing I can do, right? Um, And then the other time that was really scary for me was walking with, you know, Rachel Nordlinger, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, dear friend and sister and walking into that rehab where she took me and dropped me off I was definitely scared I was like wait we're in deep here <laughs> this, is, this is serious when she left I was you know I had it was only it was me against my addiction and that was definitely scary because I didn't know you know how I would come out of that I beat it just the same way, you know, we continue to beat so many different circumstances as black folks, but um, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Tamika Mallory is a lion. She's an activist. She's one of the most important people on the front lines of the black liberation struggle right now. She's the author of the new book, State of Emergency. We're going to talk about defunding the police. We're going to talk about the war on drugs. We're going to talk about justice and voting and what getting free really means. I love Tamika. I'm happy to have her back on the show to listen to half of this very important, timely interview. Stay right here. But for the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash show. For $5 a month, you'll get the 60-minute version of our Wednesday shows, plus our four Friday Patreon exclusives, and you get to help support our growing show. Let's dig into it. It's Tamika Mallory 
on Torre Show. Congrats on the book. Thank you, sir. Very excited. How is your spirit? Because, you know, every time somebody is dead and the family is grieving and you are there supporting them and lifting them up and trying to hold folks accountable. And I wonder just how does this land on your spirit that you're always there, like lifting folks up when they're in their lowest moment? You know, um, I don't know. I have my moments and I have families that I'm really close to. And I think it gets harder after, like when we're in the midst of the fight, it's, I can deal with it because I'm used to that. But it gets harder when they're um, struggling after people are gone, after the cameras are gone. It's just like any other grieving process, you know? It does get a little difficult. And um, I don't know. One of the things I stopped doing is watching videos. I stopped that. I don't watch videos. I have not watched the full video of Ronald Green. If I see an image, I go away from it quickly. I only watched George Floyd's video because of the trial. You know, at that point, it was like if you were into the trial, you couldn't miss all the little pieces. But I never sat down and watched the full video. Um, that, so, that, so why? Because I, I I struggle with watching new ones. Yeah. And I, I, I try to avoid it unless, like, the world is like, yo, you got to see this one. Yeah. And I feel guilty yeah. For not watching, but you're, 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 you're why do you, why do you make a it, choice? I, it's, it's super duper preventative. Like I just can't, I mean, I was waking up at night holding on to images and sounds and other things. It wasn't good for me. And, and I think, I, you know, maybe you don't know, but you know, I had a whole struggle with pain pills um, and had to go to rehab and all of that. And it happened as a result of like five different traumatic things happening all at the same time, the women's March, um, you know, the struggles with all the folks that I work with and just my own issues. It was so much happening. And the next thing you know, I was addicted. So, you know, I, I had to cut certain people and things out. And one of them, unfortunately was um, working every day with white women, especially white women who are not like, have, have not already processed and sort of done the work, I had to stop that because it's way too abusive. Um, it's dangerous for your mental health. So that I did. Um, I cut out, you know, other folks that needed to just go. And then, you know, the last thing was limiting the amount of imagery um, that I watched with people dying. It just wasn't, It's just too much. I, I think I'm an average Black person in the notion that you could probably say about 25 names and I could immediately call up images in my short-term memory. Maybe I could get to 30. And I don't think I'm special in terms right. of the folks, you and the folks who are listening of 25, 30 videos that I could name off the top of my head. And I don't think white people walk around with black images in their head. Maybe they see George Floyd, but they don't walk around with it. But we got 25, 30 that we could think of. What, I mean, like the, the, the pain that puts on us that we have all these black snuff films right. in our head. But see, you're talking about 25 or 30 that the world ultimately saw, and you were one of many. What I'm saying is that every day I get four or five different clips of things sent to my phone, sent to my DMs that never make it to the world where people are trying to get their stories told. 
And it's not just the images of um, people being killed by police. I also get a lot of police, I mean, excuse me, a lot of prison videos showing people dying, fighting, cutting, um, hanging, uh, you know, sick in their cells, COVID, during COVID. Oh man, the amount of videos that I had to watch, of, you know, and I didn't watch them, but, you know, people sending me stuff showing how on entire wards were full of sick people and just bowels and like a lot of stuff. So people are crying out for help and they think, you know, if I give this to you, then you can go do something with it. And a lot of times we try, but um, there's so much we can't do. And that I think is probably what impacts me the most is that when I lay down, it's not so much the, um, the, the, like the, what do you call it? The gory nature of the video. That's not the issue. The issue for me is that I'm trying to think, what do I do? And now I'm failing this family because I can't do it. <laughs> and then an anxiety and it's just too much. So I had to stop. So the stories are pulling you in. It's not that Tamika goes and shows up. It's that people are reaching out to you and you're like, I, I, I can't say no to you. I got to show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. I mean, you have that. You have people who asked me to help. Um, Makaya Bryant was one of those situations where, um, you know, 16 years old, you know, the story in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, I saw it and I put some things out saying that, you know, I, I, I was my heart was broken for her. Yes, she had a knife. You know, I made sure to, um, you know, try to not so much defend her, but just to explain how problematic problematic it is for us to all of a sudden understand the same police department that killed her have, has also killed a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 21-year-old, a man in his garage, another man. So this is a an issue that this police department has in general. And I was doing the work of trying to explain that. But um, I could have gone on and said, okay, that's, you know, the end of it. It's nothing more. But then I just started getting calls from folks like, help, help, you know, um, they need more attention to this situation. So then that caused me to go to the funeral. So, you know, people don't understand how it all kind of happens. Um, I rarely call a family and reach out to them and say, oh, you know, can I help you? It's very rare. It's very, very rare. Sometimes I'll see things and I notice that uh, the, the, the situation is not getting enough attention. And I understand that if I um, help and use my platform, that it probably will grow, you know, in terms of uh, folks, you know, paying attention to it. So sometimes, but that's like, if, if I've worked on a um, hundred situations, that probably has been three or four times, literally. With, and, with, let's talk about Micaiah uh, briefly in specific, because I never saw um, white people especially white people on the right saying black lives matter more than with her. Cause they're like, well, look, she was about to knife somebody. So he had, she had to yeah. die. He had to kill her because you know, don't you care about black life? She was about to yeah. murder a black yeah. woman. Like look yeah. at the pink sweatsuit. She's about yeah. to die. And I'm like, uh, really? But what do you, what, how do we, I mean, like, you know, there are no perfect victims. Okay. Well, there yeah, are, except for Brianna, except for Brianna Taylor, right, right. who was sleeping. But well, like, but then what again, do we make? But then again, she wasn't perfect because she had an ex boyfriend. 
remember. So it was like, mm, mm, mm. Never, you never, there's no such thing. But, but what do we, what, what, how, what do you, what do, what do you say to further explain? Cause since you know the story inside and out, mm-hmm. the sister was about to stab this girl. Right. So what are we what are we to make of the situation? We see other situations where people are about to stab and shoot people and the police don't shoot them when they're white. But what do we what do we make of this situation? What I make of it is that every single day, Tori, I work with Erica Ford, um, A.T. Mitchell out in Brooklyn, Shanduke McFadder. I work with uh, Pastor Mike McBride. These are people who do anti-violence work all the time. And by the way. Um, social workers, teachers were contacting me saying I've been in similar, if not worse situations where there were literal mobs and I didn't have a gun. And somehow or another, I was able to tackle, talk down, do whatever needs to be done to get a knife or even a gun out of the hands of a young person. Right. And so for me, what, what type of training does the teacher have? What type of training does the social worker have? What type of training does Erica Ford and others who work in the street every day dealing with these issues? What type of training do they have that police officers don't? Because then that's what we need. So when I hear people like, you know, Joe Biden saying, President Biden saying that he wants to put three hundred million dollars into police. And of course, I am vehemently against that. Um, I think we need to defund police. But if we are going to train them, then perhaps they need to be trained by people like Erica Ford, right? Who does amazing violence work in New York and across the country. Maybe they need to be trained by somebody like, like Deepak Chopra or something. I don't know, but they need, they need a different, it's something wrong. They definitely should not be being trained by the uh, IDF. Is it the idea? Yeah. The IDF. Mm-hmm. And, and, in Israel. They definitely should not go there, which they do. Police officers from America travel to Israel and they work together with um, the police department there or whatever in the military and they get trained. That's what we should get away from, you know, because Micaiah Bryant, in my judgment, first of all, understand it. And, and the training is not about just the moment of violence or the moment of a reaction or whatever, the incident, they probably being Erica Ford's, you know, the network of, of crisis management folks in New York, they would have known that this situation at this foster care was happening already. So I'm talking about, you know, work that would have been done because Micaiah complained to people. She told folks that there were grown women um, who were attacking her and she was uncomfortable. She told people that. So, so therefore, so in most situations with, you know, when you work with these types of programs and this is what they have resources to do and it's their job and they do it every day. That's what they know. They have Intel about what's going on with the young people and they're able to get involved and try to deal with these situations before someone even has a knife in their hands. And I think that that's, you know, that's why I say we need to defund police because when you shift resources to more folks who do that work, I think that's when we have less need for police contact in communities. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, 
Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Well, let's talk about defund because the big part of your book, State of Emergency, um, a big topic of conversation over the last 12 months. There's some of us who believe we can better use our tax dollars. Why are we spending New York City six billion dollars more than 50 percent of new york city's budget 50 50 i think 52 cents out of every dollar i paid in new york city goes to the fucking police um lapd i think is three three billion it's more than several departments in terms of the health department um housing uh, what a education, when you combine those budgets, it does not total the amount that the police department is receiving. And, and, and yet even folks on the left are like, 
mm, defund. I don't know. I don't You've gone too far. Well, who would I call when black people attack me? All these different things. Your slogan is frightening. Can we just oh, reform? Yeah. And I was actually, I think it's been about, about 13 months ago, I would have been like, let's reform. And I think around George Floyd, I was like, reform mm. is impossible. It's not mm. working. And seeing the way that the police responded last year to us saying, hey, can we have some reform? And they were like, we're going to beat ass at the anti-police brutality rally. Like, no, reform is impossible. But Dang. talk to me about your thoughts about defund, what that really means. Let's unpack it. And what you see, I mean, do you see a world like without police where the uh. community polices itself? Well, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I am an abolitionist, right? There's a whole bunch of shit that I think we should get away from and do away with. And I really want to see a day where we don't need police with guns in our communities. That's definitely what I want to see. But I also know that we've been trained to call 911 for every problem, every problem. You know, in New York, remember when they introduced 311 and we were like, do what? Like, you mean to tell 311? Why 311? You know, we call 911 for every problem in our households, right? And so we've been trained that way. And I know that in order to um, help people get away from that mindset, it's going to take time. We're nowhere near a place where we can just get rid of police. That's not even what we're saying. We're talking about creating balance. And that's why I was so uh, ticked off with President Obama, because I felt like he fell right into the trap of being like, well, like you said, your slogan is not good. And, we, you know, we shouldn't be saying defund. And this is, you know, this is a, a, a liberal or he said something like a super progressive term or something. And basically my position was, well, President Obama, what term would you like to use? OK, make up a new term if that's what people want to do. Who the hell cares about the exact word? If you don't like that word, fine. What I want to know is, do you agree that we should not be putting more put more money into policing than we do mental health services? Do you agree? Everybody always says, yes, I agree. <laughs> they do. They do exactly what you're doing. They go, yeah, that's probably that's what we're talking about. We're talking about creating balance. So if you want to call it the Bobo the Clown on Tuesday, at whatever you want to call it, I'm with it. Can we please balance the budget? That's well, the it's- folks, the, the line seems to be reform or defund, right? And defund is posited as like the super lefty end police next to abolition notion but reform is like, th- this is the reasonable thing to do. I work, what I'm saying now, and I and I talk about it in the book, is overhaul, right? We need a full, the system as it currently is, and I'm not on here to tell you anything about history. I'm just looking at the books that you have on the wall, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got so much work to do. Um, but, uh, and, and it's funny because there's a part in my book where Nina Simone says that to uh, Angela Davis, and she tells the story of a conversation that she was having with Angela Davis. I mean, with Nina Simone, where where Nina was visiting her in prison and was in her cell, because I guess at that time you could go in people's cells, especially if you're a celebrity like Nina Simone. And she saw all the books that Angela Davis had and was like, you read all these books? She said, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, then that shit. Like, I can't go out and speak on behalf of like anything, because I don't know any of that stuff, you know? So anyway, it's a good conversation. But 
Um, uh, we, oh, we were talking about the the term, right? D- D- oh, no, no, no. Overhaul, overhaul, overhaul. So my thing is understanding the history of policing. We already know that you can't just reform it because people have been trying that. What we have to do is actually tear down parts of what public safety looks like and rebuild a new thing. That's what we have to do. So if y'all want to call it the rebuild something, whatever. But right now, our priorities, they say your priorities is where your money and your time goes. So our money is clearly going to policing, which means that we have not prioritized public safety that starts within the community. And I know for sure that police in the hood, they don't stop crime. That's not a real thing. They do not. The people who are actually able to stop crime are like Miss Susie, who knows about some drama that's going on and she's calling mothers or she's pulling over people and, you know, telling them, hey. The big dog in the neighborhood who's like, you you can't attack him. This is don't ever let me see y'all fighting. Fathers stepping in. The Jacob Blakes of the world who got shot because he went and broke up a fight between young people and was like, I'm taking your ass home. You get in the car. This is done. Like that, that's, that's how violence stops in communities. But if people are going to work or hustling and doing all of these things and don't have resources, they can't focus on that type of work. So I think this is a real, it's not a hard, this is so simple. You know, we know. <laughs> they just don't want to go up against the police unions. No, they don't want to go against the police unions. But we have been, the police do a good job at marketing themselves and their necessity, right? Like right now, they're making sure that we know that crime year over year is rocketing up, right? Media completely doesn't notice. Like last year, we were all stuck in our home. So of course, crime is up year over year. Because we were all at home last year, and now we're like coming back out into the world. Of course. Uh, And people, people are broke. People are emotionally distressed. Maybe whoever was the stabilizing force in their family is now deceased because of COVID. I mean, there's so many different things. And folks haven't, I'll tell you another thing that people don't understand, but I, you know, I talked to these uh, anti-violence organizers, coordinators, and they said, because people were locked in the house, especially last summer and throughout the year, a lot of online beef started. Like, Mm. you know, being on social media, I don't like you, you know, you know, whatever. And now they're going back outside. So they're actually seeing one another for the first time. So there's turf wars and beefs that are like new. It's just a lot of things. It's a lot of things. Uh, This is not in your book, but I want to dig into this for a second. Are you vaccinated? Not yet. Not yet. Are you planning to get vaccinated? You know... Tori, I, Tori, I watch your, I watch your page a lot. <laughs> I read all the content and I'm working on myself, but I come from, so let me just be clear. I come from a family of people who do not vaccinate unless we absolutely have to. So we have like the stuff from when you're young and they tell you, you can't go to school. You can't do this. You can't do that. The measles, the mumps, the chicken pox, whatever. We have that. But in terms of like flu shots and other things, never. My family doesn't do it. We don't, we hardly even take medication. Like my parents are all about natural and this, you know, type of thing. So when people start talking about shooting me up, I'm just like, oh my God. 
And by the way, I um, when I had COVID, it was so bad that for the last several months, like I just got tested for antibodies the other day and I'm still 70 percent. So I'm not even at a place yet where I have to be vaccinated. So you had COVID and you're still like, I don't know. I had it really bad. But like, black, I, don't I know. know a lot of black women that just saying with that. I be asking them like, "Did you get it?" Nope. And you're still like, "I don't know." <sighs> and then I have a friend who, you know, her family doesn't want to talk about it publicly, but weeks later, she died. Not because of the vaccine. She had a blood clot. It's extraordinarily rare. Um, and dying from, dying from COVID is far, far more common. Um, but okay. Um, nobody um, I know died from COVID, just so you know. Two nobody people. you know, but I mean, like lots of... What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi Secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from Tinderfoot TV Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts Radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of people got That's died true. from COVID. We well, know but this. some people, but Tori, some people died just because the system is messed up. Like some people died because in the beginning, especially, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. They killed people. That happened. Like people died because of incompetence and lack of information. I mean, all yes, and also people died and were classified as having died of other things but they di- but they wouldn't have died if they if covid had not ravaged their system hey peeps it's your girl danielle moody host of woke af daily every weekday i'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country check me out now at patreon.com slash woke af Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Um, a lot of black, similar to the vaccine, a lot of black people are not, they don't believe in voting. 
you uh, believe in voting and you talk about it in your book. And uh, and let's let's start with I think most of the people who listen to the show believe in voting, but let's talk about why cuz I mean even I've had this argument with most deaf. He's like, "No, the government, the system, voting doesn't matter." What let's talk about voting. Why does voting matter? Why should we vote? I mean, here's what I tell people. If you protest and you don't push for policy, it's just like it, it's it's it. You missed the mark. Like we've only done half of the job, right? It's like if you 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 thaw out the meat, you actually have to cook it, right? Because if not, mm, it's mm. boiled after a while. It can't just sit there. There has to be something else, another step after you take the meat out the freezer. The policy and, is the end result of the protest. That's the like. That's the thing. You want the energy that's on the ground matched by whatever happens in your legislative offices. So I, it's a very simple thing for me. And I tell people, they're like, well, I'm not political. Everything about our lives is political. Literally everything, your cell phone, your sex life. Um, you know, I tell women all the time, like, yo, your vagina is super duper political, right? Because there are people who want to tell you how, what, when, where, when, who. It used to be illegal to teach us how to read. And you just wrote a book. That's political. It's political. Your, you know, everything, your bills, your job, the way you travel, the street lights. So I tell them all the time, you're living a very political life, trying to say that you're not participating in politics, which is exactly why we're not getting the things that we need, because we're not using the political game or playing it the way that we should be. Um, you know, and or they feel like, well, I voted and I'm done. That's like the worst thing to do. But OK, we voted. Many of us did vote. Many of us showed up. And because of Detroit and Philadelphia um, and Atlanta, Joe Biden won. Right. We're not yet yet really getting what we need and deserve out of the system. We're going to get. We might get a police reform bill, but it seems very watered down. We did not get $15 minimum wage, which we, among all people, definitely need. So what do you say to folks who are like, look, we many of us did show up and we did not get our cookies? Yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. But I do know that doing nothing will ensure you get nothing. Right. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you definitely get nothing if you do nothing. But I also I still believe that. There is a there is a different process that I would like for us to follow in terms of when we say, well, we voted again, we voted. But then where what happens with the organizing? Right. Like, how are we organizing power? And moreover, how many of our elected officials understand that power? Because there are people who have to like people are like, oh, he signed the. Um, stop Asian hate bill. And why didn't he sign a bill for us? Well, the bill can't get signed until the people pass it in the two parts of our freaking federal government. Right. So the reason why we are not able to get this particular George Floyd Justice and Police and act the way that it's supposed to be, in my judgment, is two reasons. One, you have somebody like Joe Manchin and his homegirl. I forget the other young the other woman's name um, who are supposed to be Democrats and they are clearly not. So you're dealing with that situation. People are like, well, how do we organize folks in West Virginia? Actually, there are a lot of people that hit me up that are in West Virginia that want to be organized 
But there's so many people who don't see West Virginia as a place to go to get on the ground to do the work. So we have to think about that as organizers. And that's a failure of me and others like me. Um, But the other problem is that you have people like Jim Clyburn, who I love as a human being, but I don't need you to be out there providing cover for the Republicans. Need you to be quiet. Need you not to go out after your particular uh, after the House, rather, has all the has already passed um, the bill with ending qualified immunity. Right. They did that. You made that happen. So why the hell are you talking in the midst of the Senate negotiations other than to say to Chuck Schumer, Go get your job done. We did our part. Now it's time for you to do yours. How can I support you, Cory Booker? How can I support? Like, instead, he's out here providing cover. So then for me, it makes my job really hard. And I've been arguing with my elder friends for the last few days because they're like, well, you know, it's a process. I'm like, people are like, they're tired of hearing it's a process. They're tired of hearing compromise. So now when it's time for me to go back and try to get people to vote again, they're going to be like, don't come talk to me. And I I may not be able to talk to them, Tori. I might. I may not. I think that one of the biggest problems in the black community is the war on drugs. It, of it, it, it it opens up so much of the relationship with the police cool. that leads to these traumatic incidents. Um, you know, stop and frisk is a bit is a big gateway into the war on drugs. Um, the policing, the prosecution, the incarceration. So much of it comes from well i thought he had drugs i smelled drugs that's why i stopped his car that's why i went to the building that's why i went to his house um the end of the war on drugs or at least just the legalization of marijuana would go a long way toward getting us one step toward some sort of freedom i agree and in new york um we've done it Right. And there's still more work to be done. But not only does our bill um, legalize marijuana, it also deals with expungement of records of people who've been locked up. Right. So there's there are efforts happening around the country. But again, when we look at the federal government, it's, it's pitiful. I don't have an excuse for it. It's really sad that it doesn't matter what we do. There seems to be these roadblocks. And when you're looking at people like Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, these people have more power than they should have. That's well, just it's a, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a state by state issue, right? It's not a federal. Well, but it should be. We sh- it, sh- it, it it can be. There are there are proposals. Like when you think about the Breathe Act, if you will, there are proposals out there to get the federal government to provide incentives for local governments to let people out. At least the expungement piece, right? Um, but yes, it is true that in order to legalize marijuana, it is state by state because they have all the different rules for, you know, how you grow it, how you buy it, how you all those things. Um, but the expungement piece is something that people are trying to get the federal government to do. And Obama was trying to do it. I mean, we have to we, you got to give him that he literally was trying to let out as many people as possible. And then, and then he was, you know, it was stopped. But it's, it's uh, that then we have to release people on a state level. Are we ever going to see any sort of justice for Brianna Taylor? Kristen Clark is now the head of the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. 
Hopefully she will investigate Breonna Taylor's situation and also the police department there. Now the, now the FBI is already investigating the police department, um, which is super duper corrupt, but it's not unlike many of the other police departments across the nation. Um, and so hopefully those um, two things will result in there being federal charges brought against those officers and the LMPD. Hopefully, you know, um, is there, do you, if the question is, does her family believe that or do they, are they hopeful? They are hopeful, but really beaten down. For more from me and Tamika, join us over at patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much to Tamika for a great interview and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle, Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Kena Murphy, Earl Dorsey, and Theo Tokis. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.